You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Manning on third and ten. He fires, and the catch is made by Cruz, who breaks free. One man to beat. Victor Cruz down the sideline. Cruz is going to take it all the way, tying an NFL record, 99 yards. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. What's going on, Mike? Grump, is the season over yet? It feels like it's dragging on. This season sucks. I've never been so out of touch with the rest of the NFL before. I haven't been in touch with life this year, I don't think. I mean, <laughs> between how brutal the Giants are, how brutal my Gators are, the fact my Rays traded Evan Longoria today, there's really nothing to get hopeful about. I guess my Lightning, but that's for another podcast. That's for the Just Just Lightning podcast <laughs> at some point in the future. Not starring the football group. No, I will not be there, no. I... Let's keep it. Uh, let's keep it in house here with the uh, New York Football Giants. Yeah. Um, so the Craggy fan and I went down on the field for uh, Philly at the Giants, Week 15. Uh, it the crowd turnout was about what we expected, right? I was shocked how many Philly fans were actually on the field. Yeah, we a little backstory. We had won through a charity thing. Um, Field passes for two hours before the game and some pretty sweet seats in, in the lower level. So we got there 11 a.m. and escorted onto the field, and we were able to hang in between the two benches and watching. As soon as we got there, it was like Eli and the receivers, you know, dressed like in you know shorts in their you know sweatpants, yeah, free warm up gear, and then we were right there through the national anthem. So you get to see them running through all their drills, all the uh, the pregame r- rituals and routines. It was. It's really fascinating just to see how big these guys are and just how fast they are. And you know, it's it's not just getting out there at one o'clock and strapping up and going. There's a lot of preparation that goes on. It's really interesting to watch. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of funny for me seeing some of the guys because they look so big on TV, and then in person it's like, wow, they're like roughly my height. You know, like Odell Beckham and I are almost the same height. We we kind of are. I'm I'm a just. On the shorter side of six feet, he's probably on the taller side if I had to guess. Um, not that we saw him or anything, but you know, it's just stuff like that where it's just interesting that these godlike figures are, you know, just yeah people. And, it, and, and then you see, and then you see an offensive lineman that's yes. like three thirty. I think he's got this boiler, but oh yeah, that guy runs a four eight. Yeah, like I couldn't drive that fast. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I tweeted this out, uh, um, even among the linemen, John Jerry is a big guy uh you know like he, he was standing next to brett jones and it, it looked like if they had to go one-on-one it would be a complete mismatch uh which is funny because he's the one who gets pushed around probably the most mm-hmm. uh, but in any case uh so while the crowd turned out to be roughly what we expected which was maybe not I, I don't know, maybe thirty five of the loud thirty five percent of the loudest Philly fans you could imagine. The vocal minority yeah. and those fuckers. <laughs> you know, I, I, I tweeted this out during the game. For a fan base is not one dick since nineteen sixty, they talk a lot of trash. And guess what, guys? You have won nothing this year. Congratulations, you won a shitty East. You know, nobody cares. 
win something when it matters. But just the level of obnoxiousness and just the, you know, I get it. You know your E-A-G-L-E-S song. Big fucking deal. You know, you're a loser fan base from a loser city. You know, it's not even a bandwagon, you know, team like the Patriots are or the or the Cowboys or the Raiders or the or the Dolphins or to some extent even the Giants around the country. Everybody you see who likes the Eagles is from a 25 to 30 mile radius of Philadelphia. They're just losers down there with those dopey accents and, just, you know, booing Santa Clauses and uh, they're just a loathsome group. And you know, they may talk their trash now and they, you know, they were being obnoxious after the game, but congratulations. You barely hung on to beat a two win and a 12 loss football team. You barely beat them the first time for after a 61 yard field goal. His time expired. So if you want to get all lippy about that, congratulations, cheesecakes. <laughs> wow, that I'm going to save that. That'll be an intro for one of our uh, episodes in the future. That was great. You know something for the next few years. Every time we play the Eagles, you know whether it's you know preseason or before one of the two regular season games you can start each show off with that little uh yeah no i love it so uh you know to a certain extent i agree uh there is one <laughs> there there's one little cav- caveat uh this is finally the year where they had something to brag about uh i i so i i'm not on their side because it's like this every year this year is no different in terms of what's coming from the fan it's just that this is the first year I can't argue with them. I, I mean, like, this is a oh, good I'm team. Not. Congratulations. It's been 100 years. This team is finally competitive. I hope you're I'm happy. Talking about, I'm talking about this shit talking at the end of the game. Yeah. Where, so you know, so here's down we didn't score, and all of a sudden it's just like I'd be breathing a sigh of relief that your shitty defense gave an, an impotent offense. How many points did we score? 31, 30, 29. 29 points. 29 on to the New York Giants. I mean – if they played 11 on seven, probably wouldn't score 30 points if, if they <laughs> had the opportunity. So big effing deal. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's sort of my point. South. These guys showed up to the stadium ready to just rip into giants fans. And from the get go, they were just waiting for that moment to sing their stupid Eagle song. And lo and behold, first drive giants score a touchdown for the first time in the year. First time of the year. You're the first team to let us do it. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. You know, we took the reins. They didn't take the lead until I think maybe right before halftime. And the only reason they took the lead is because Matt Burhey was out. So our special team sucked ass and we couldn't kick an extra point or a field goal or punt or do anything. Uh, we played like a 2 and a 14 team. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the little things that 2 and 14 teams do to lose. Losers lose. You guys have heard me say this on this podcast, my other podcast on Twitter all the time. Losers lose. And, you know, right now we're a bunch of losers and we found little things like special teams fuck ups and penalties at the wrong time. That's how losers lose. I I just think it's hilarious that they came ready to cheer and, you know, (laughs) every Eagles fans asshole was super tight on that fourth down play. They thought they were going to fucking lose. They really did. They thought they were going to be in there and they were ready to just, oh, well, if Carson Wentz were here, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, and guess what? If my sister had balls, she'd be my brother. Yeah, so if Odell Beckham were on the field, we wouldn't even be talking right now. We'd already yeah. been on the train ready to go with a win. So shut the hell yeah. up. And and as soon as that play, which I'm going to say right now, no pass interference is a good call. It, it 
there was no yeah. pass interference there. It doesn't matter. The point is, as soon as that play was over, there they were screaming and chanting. Like, that, you proud of that? Are you proud of 34-29 with a blocked Listen, field goal black punt? You're, bunch, you're talking about a fan base that's a bunch of losers. I mean, how many world championships have they won collectively since 1960? I think they have two two World Series, and I'm ass-chapped about that because one of them was against my Rays. Uh, one NBA title, two NBA titles, and two Stanley Cups. Congratulations! In 60 years, you've won five titles. Losers. And I'm sorry, 99% of you morons didn't go to Villanova. Doesn't count. You can't claim that one. Sorry. <laughs> I uh, I fucking hate Philly. Uh, so so let's let's fuck them. I don't care. Uh. I, let's, uh, let's watch him get bounced in the first round, and we'll move on with our. Lives. Oh my god! I called somebody out on Twitter for that. I forget what he said, but it, it was just super annoyed me because he was such a dickhead. And I was like, "I oh, you know what it was? So uh, Sterling Shepard's sixty whatever, sixty-seven yard touchdown. He had like sort of a drag route coming from the right side of the line. Evan, um, not Evan Ingram, Rep Ellison had sort of the opposite drag route going from the left side to the right side, and it's just a pick play." Uh, so what happened was Malcolm Jenkins shoved Rhett Ellison into the pick. So Chris Spielman being the defensive-minded guy that he is, uh, you know, he calls it as an illegal offensive uh, pass interference play. He's simply wrong, uh, namely because Malcolm Jes- Jenkins initiated contact, uh, also because he shoved him into him, and also because, you know, Rhett Ellison was just running his route. Uh, he didn't stop his route. He didn't do anything to just pick him off. He just ran. So whatever, he's wrong. But the Twitter user, whatever, was... You know, like ah, oh, it was bullshit play. Should have been called. And I, I, I was, what are you complaining about? Just take your stupid win that you barely escaped with, and go ahead and enjoy and laugh your way into the se- the first round of the playoffs and lose there, okay? And he's fucking correcting me like, well, we got the bye, so second round then. Okay, fine. Losing the second round, I don't care. You're not gonna win the Super Bowl. I, I don't know what. Just, just be happy. You got the win because you were honestly nervous that you weren't gonna get it. Well, I mean, I'd be very concerned, too. I mean, Carson Wentz is not coming back. You know, you played, you played pretty, a good game is your backup, but still, you're not making a serious Super Bowl run. Not with that defense. Well, not yeah, I was going to say, that today. that wasn't the problem. The Philly gave up 500 yards of offense. To the New York football giants! This isn't the Rams. You know, this isn't, uh, you know... This isn't the greatest show on turf, Rams. This isn't the greatest offenses of all time. This is the New York fucking Giants. Do you think? Do you think a fan all over the place? Do you think a fan from the AFC North can name one running back on the New York Giants? Do you think they can name three uh, wide receivers, or how about two? No, no, I mean active players. No, I mean that's what they probably would say right now. That they probably even aware that Beckham is even playing anymore. Yeah. So. The fact that they were giving up 500 yards of offense to basically scrubs. I mean, Tavares King had two touchdowns in this game. That's and guys insane. are wide open all over the place. I mean, we got good Eli today. We've been saying this since 19 blah, blah, blah. The, you know, the good Eli versus the bad Eli. And we got the good Eli in the first half of the game. He was on, but there were guys open all over the place. Yeah, all I, Eli the- was on fire. I don't think he had an incomplete pass for like two drives. Mm-hmm. Uh it, it blows my mind, and I'm sure they were all shit in their pants because it was awful quiet in that stadium. Uh, 
in, in our, in our home stadium. Yeah. Right. But I mean, you know, 35% of the ticket base is crap in their khakis. What, what else? Is, <laughs> what do you expect? That might be the, uh, the, the title of this week's episode. Crap, crap in their khakis. Crap in their khakis. <laughs> um, I'm sure Tim Cook has a problem with that at Apple, but, you know, we're sticking with it. Yeah, well, good for them. <laughs> so, I mean, what what did you think about this game? I mean, was it really that Philly sucks? Was it that we got good Eli? Is it a combo? Is Mike Sullivan better at calling plays? Um, I Well, the big thing we noticed at the game right off the bat was the rhythm. tempo. Yeah. And it was rhythm where this was a for you know the first fourteen games of the year sluggish lethargic no a lack of any you know urgency to you know get the play from the sideline get up to the line of scrimmage hike the ball and it just was the same thing over and over we noticed it from the get go a lot more rhythm we went to no huddle we were hiking the ball quick we we had a little flow going and uh, that was a big difference I mean. Let's face it, it's not going to happen in the NFL or college or high school. If you smoke a head coach, things all of a sudden aren't going to miraculously change. You are what you are. You practice it from you know, the off-season mini camps or OTAs to spring through week in, week out. You are what you are. But definitely was a noticeable difference in how the offense addressed itself, especially in the first half. It seemed like it bogged down a little bit. We got into the second, you know, second half and everything, but... That was obvious. And, you know, kudos to everybody for, for doing that. I don't think Philly was prepared for it. I don't think I was prepared for it. So what, <laughs> what's what's silly is that I don't think that they strayed away from anything that Ben McAdoo had done, even from a principled uh, standpoint. You know, early drives, early in the down, or early in the drive, in the early drives of the game, just high percentage plays, five-yard slants, you know, Drag routes, crossing routes. We um, are, we are again. You know, pitch outs. The personnel, the, the personnel dictates that, and you know, but just it just seems like under Ben McAdoo, at least in the last like ten weeks that he was the head coach, these high percentage plays were not high percentage plays. They were just the same plays every time, and so that percentage goes down because they were just becoming predictable. And we, instead of being high percentage plays to get the flow going, and then now the defense is sort of reeling. They're trying to figure out how to stop that. Then you throw the double move at him, which is where we saw Tavares King, who's not even a swift route runner, completely smoke a corner on a double move for a, just a slant and go route. That's all it was. And nobody within five yards of him for a touchdown. I mean, that's that's how you do it. You just – the high percentage plays, keep the rhythm up, and then you start doing double moves. You start getting a little bit more creative when they're sort of scrambling to cut down on the high percentage plays. Under Ben McAdoo, these were just – these slants were just getting knocked down, and then now we're in second and ten. We do the inside handoff, and now we're at third and eight. And that's what it was every fucking time, and that's what was so painful for Giants fans. I think he just got a little too – a little too stubborn in what he considered a high percentage play. Um, mm-hmm. and well, stubborn was kind of his hallmark. Yeah, and everything, everything about him. So I'm not sure how much of this game planning is Mike Sullivan. How much of it is Steve Spagnuolo just saying like keep it simple, stupid, or you know what what it was? But the Giants came to play, and they've got nothing to play for. So I, re- you know, what I think with this league is this league is getting more and more every year. 
you know, that difference between the best team in the league and the worst team in the league is getting smaller and smaller. And the any given Sunday thing really does apply for things like this. You know, Philly had already had clinched the East before Sunday. So, yeah, they're playing for, you know, a bye and everything. But, yeah, I think maybe they've took their foot a little off the gas. You know, losing Wentz, you know, things like that. Traumatic things do impact a team. And it takes a week to two weeks to kind of get your bearings again. I mean, we've seen it with coaches getting fired and quarterbacks going down and stuff. So I just think it was kind of a, you know, perfect storm of things that allow us to be competitive. If we play that game 10 times, you know, there could be six of them. We get smoked. Yeah, maybe. I, I think, I think I agree with you. I think I, that, uh, talent wise and collection of talent wise in the NFL, the teams are pretty evenly matched. The difference between the best team and the worst team is pretty different. Well, yeah, obviously. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to coaching. Um, I think the best teams in the league are the best coach, and that's all the difference. I mean, the Patriots, talent-wise, I think if you put up against the healthy New York Giants, is probably really close. I think you could even make the argument that the Giants are better talent-wise. They just have... Than the Patriots. Uh. <laughs> on roster you're talent, to, you're, you're, you're going to convince that one for of me. Well, I I mean that that could be a whole episode. Just take yeah, it, that take, that might that might be a special bonus episode once we should when we should be in the playoffs. A comparison of the Giants and the Patriots roster, but well, okay, all right. I, I Just take my I word your, for it that I, I believe I believe individual talent wise, team talent wise, if you put them neck and neck, if they're they're very close, in my opinion. You could make the argument the Giants are better, just talent-wise. The difference is, is that the Patriots run such a tight ship, they have such good leadership, and they have such good coaching that it's astronomical what that team is able to do to just flip the script, forget everything we practice. This is what they were doing. This is what they're doing. This is what we need to do right now to fix it. And they, it just they they go into halftime down by twenty-one, and they beat they win the game up twenty-one, and it's. I think the difference, one of the biggest differences in this league between the best team and the worst team is the coaching staff and just how good they can. And and I think that makes all the difference. I mean, you see New England make runs at the Super Bowl without Gronkowski, without Julian Edelman. Uh, That's why it's so so perplexing how we went from 11-5 in a playoff team last year to – Two and fourteen, or two and twelve, probably will be two and fourteen. I mean, I it's just, amazing. I just give you the answer. The, the coach. Well, same coach last year as this year. Right, but when shit hit the fan, this team fell apart because I don't think at any point last year's team believed in the coach. I think they believed in each other. Yeah. And, and also, does a coach does it does a really good coach who's in control of the ship allow? your wide receiver crew to go down to Miami and go on a party boat before the playoffs and things like that. Yeah. Where, you know, the cracks, you know, in hindsight, we're all there. Sure. Um, I think there was a lack of motivation, a lack of lack of trust and a lack of leadership that came from, you know, the coaching staff. I I just think you're saying this year, not last year. I I think in general, I think even last year, they just kind of, I think motivation. We're in the playoffs. Coming from the coach. I don't think the coach motivated them. Oh, I think they, they were all in on themselves. I think the team as individuals, they believed in each other. They believed in the guy next to them. 
but I don't know that they truly thought like, you know, don't worry when things go wrong. Ben McAdoo will find a solution or anything like that. It, you know, I don't do you think, think they. Do you think he lost the team that quickly last year? I don't think he ever had the team. Well, I mean, he was the offensive coordinator before, and you have to think that guys like Eli, you know, and probably Beckham. I think there were guys. They, I just they don't think the team. To, you know, right, but those are those are very. If, if we all agree that Eli is the leader of the offense, right? Sure, I will agree with that. And and I think that as the leader, you know, he didn't just go to bat for McAdoo to become the head coach just because Eli Manning personally wanted him I think he collectively saw that's in the best interest of the team and he wouldn't you know I think he realizes he's the leader so he's speaking kind of collectively for the offensive unit so I don't know yeah I mean, but that's sort of the trickle down economics of leadership here I mean let's let's get real I'm, I'm just saying I think the New England Patriots when a guy like Julian Edelman goes down and Bill Belichick steps in and says this is what we're going to do we can it's fine We'll, we'll figure it out. And oh, yeah. th- lo and behold, it works. It builds trust. He's got clout. There's a whole bunch there. And I'm not saying it's Ben McAdoo's fault that they didn't buy into him immediately. I don't know that that can even happen. I just don't think that his personality and his know-how and his results lent itself to, to gain any trust or you know anything from the players. I just don't think it was ever there. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I could see that. I mean, let's put it this way. You never see coaches get fired this quickly, especially after a successful year before, unless there's some deep-rooted issues going on underneath the surface that are not obvious. And who knows what kind of player revolts or rebellions are going on behind the scenes. We have no idea. And we probably never will know. Speaking of, uh, Eli Apple had his first game back in what seems like forever last week. Um, I didn't think he played badly. I mean, overall... He did a decent job. There's one play where there was a busted coverage. It appeared to me – well, here, here's what did happen is uh, on the break in the route between two receivers, both DRC and Apple jumped the short route and the deep route into the end zone was left uncovered for a touchdown. It appeared to me that that was Apple's guy. Uh, the press conference later, Eli said that DRC jumped his guy. Nobody refuted that claim, so I have no reason not to believe him. It just – I find it weird that the guy who's been playing all season made a mistake and not the guy who's been not playing for the last two yeah, months I mean, or mistakes, whatever. Make, make mistakes happen. I mean who knows? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the bigger story of Eli Apple is going to be is the relationship with him and the, the rest of the locker room, the relationship with him and whatever coaching staff is held over for next year, the relationship with him and – upper management is it is it damaged beyond repair that they will just cut bait with him or not i don't think anything that happens in an individual you know play series game from here on out makes that much of a difference it's kind of going to be this collective body of work and what are we going to do with him yeah no i agree i agree um i'm going to say other than that one play he didn't stand out at all positive or negative which for a corner that's pretty good uh i i didn't really notice him lineman yeah, he didn't. He didn't get picked on a whole lot. He did a good job tackling, staying outside to force everything back in. I, 
you know, if he were any other corner in the league, you'd be happy with his performance. So, I mean, he's a, he's a talent. I mean, he's yes. a guy that we thought was an up-and-comer and all of a sudden take this major step back this year. But we were saying before the season started, would he become the next Landon Collins and all of a sudden make that, that jump from prospect to potential pro bowler? And yeah, and I mean, like, it, if, if this season didn't fall fucking apart, because it's such a mental thing with him, you know, we may not have been wrong. Uh, do you know what I mean? I, I think the fact that this team was losing so badly and the coach no longer had a handle on the team did not lend itself for him to get his head back in the right place. So yeah, It's just, it's just going to be a question of how much of a culture change it would make for this team and how much of a you know complete cleaning of house. And he might be one of the guys that, you know, wrong year to, to be a fuck-up. That's <laughs> <laughs> so. very true. Um, as far as the GM search goes, since, you know, he's one, he's going to be one of the decisions that GM's going to have to really think about. Um, so far the Giants have pretty much only done in-house interviews, if you want to call it that. Uh, you know, Mark Ross got a, got an interview. He got first crack at it, I guess, if you will. Um, he is the, I guess, VP or whatever. He's the head of the player evaluation side. Um, he comes, him and his team of scouts come up with the big board for all the talent for the draft. Uh, and I tweeted this out to people just as a cautionary tale because they don't, if they, if they don't know, um, if you have not been a fan of the drafts for the last couple of years, uh, it's at least 50% Mark Ross's fault. Uh, you know, you can blame Jerry Reese all you want for not trading around or moving around or whatever, but all of his picks are a room consensus based on the big board. So, you know, take that for what you will. On the flip side, I think people were a little too angry that he even got an interview, which I think is silly because, you know, don't screw this up. Interview everybody. So... Well, first of all, you know, who might be their ideal pick you can't probably talk to because you cannot talk to anybody on an opposing team until their season's over. Correct. Now, does that mean their season ends in two weeks or does it end on February 4th? And so there may be a guy out there who's, you know, an assistant GM for New England, for example, you can't talk to. So what do you do between now and then? You know, we're not in this massive rush to get somebody on board so they can watch the last game. That's why God invented video, and you can watch it later. So it's it's you know, I I, I think you know it makes sense to kind of you know un you know open any, what do they call it unturn any rock and any stone and yeah you know, start in the inside work your way out start with the guys you're most comfortable with challenge yourself for out of the box thinking but this is not going to be something that's going to be decided. We're not trying to get recruits. This is in college football where you're losing time before signing day. You know, there's a lot of work to be done, but a lot of the work that's being done is being done by staffs right now. As you, you alluded to with Ross, you know, the, 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 co- the uh, scouts are still gathering their data. It will be evaluated. It doesn't matter who the GM is at this moment. Trades, you know, or things like that, or who you're going to cut in free agency, not, time to think about that just yet so there is some time to make the right decision there's no reason to make a rush yeah and they should take that time uh the wrong decision at gm can set a franchise back for forever i mean just look at the jets 
I mean, I know it's easy to poke fun at the Browns, but the Jets make changes, you know, less often than Cleveland does. And the wrong GM search, the wrong coach, you take well, the team in the wrong team. direction. What about Washington? I mean, how many GMs and how many coaches that they had? And really, since Jake Gruden has been, uh, you know, the head coach, he's been there longer than most guys under Daniel Snyder. Seems like he's been on the hot seat quite a bit of that time. Yeah. So nobody gets a real free pass, even if they have any sort of longevity with that team. So. Yeah, and and so, I guess the other thing is, uh, the Giants have interviewed Dave Gettleman. We've already voiced our concerns about Dave Gettleman. Uh, it just, I guess my my problem is he seems like he comes with a lot of risk, and his results are very middle of the road it just doesn't seem like it's a like a swing for the fences home run or strikeout kind of guy it just seems like strikeout or base hit I, you know i just well, how many guys how many guys are home run hires i don't know I mean, it just it, he doesn't have anything on his on his resume that is just like a slam th- you know what i mean i could use every other sports analogy besides football yeah i mean it's it comes down to the quarterback you pick and you <laughs> ride with, that makes it all. Yeah. I mean, there's he hasn't done a whole lot of wheeling and dealing unless you want to count dealing Josh Norman out, which everybody, including myself, we were shocked. You know, a guy who kind of wanted to play ball the way all players play ball with the franchise tag. And they're like, all right, well, get the hell out of here if you don't want to take it. And yeah, we're done. like, what? We're closing negotiations. Yeah, I just – I. I just don't get it with Gettleman. Uh, he got his interview. Um, he sort of has a heads up because he's Ernie Accorsi's friend and he speaks very highly of him. And I'm sure that he's good at what he does. We didn't hire Ernie Accorsi to make a, a, a GM thing just to hire his friend. We could have we gone around the middleman and done it directly if that's what we wanted sure, to do. Sure, of course. I don't think he has a, as big a leg up as people are reporting. I think it's just the the team sucks – we need something to talk about, so they're doing a GM search. Oh, this this controversial guy is, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't. I, it's it's gonna be a while. Uh, they're gonna try and get it done before the year is over. At least that's the story. Um, I don't think that's gonna happen. I think it. You know, it might happen very quickly after the season ends in the beginning of 2018. Uh. I mean, the sooner they land a GM, the better. But I also think that they're I, I not going to. Yeah. I don't think they want to screw why it up you, so badly that they'll why, rush it. Why would you want to exclude the talent from the best teams from your search? If you're racing to get this done before January 1st, you're excluding the pool of all the playoff teams? Does that make any sense? Well, you're assuming that there's people on the playoff teams that you're interested in. I mean, no one is going to go from GM of the Patriots to GM of the Giants. You're looking at a but an maybe, understaffer or an assistant GM. Right, so, I mean, you're right. assuming that that's what – that there's somebody there that they you, want. But you still can't talk to them until the season's over. Right, I'm, I'm. I'm just saying I couldn't name you the assistant GM. I couldn't tell you that there's anyone right. there who. And that's why we're not part to. of the hiring search. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be, you know, we've said this every time. It's gonna be a long and exciting off season. There's gonna be a lot of stories, a lot of things to talk about. Um, Thank more God. so than we're gonna have time for episodes for. So, again, always follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump. I will 
give you my thoughts as I see fit, as I read things and report them back to you. Um, every episode of this show will be bumped at, at Just Giants Pod. They're all available on SoundCloud. Just type in soundcloud.com, search Just Giants. It's that simple. It's all there. If you really love us as much as I know you love us, subscribe there, follow us there. Um, every episode will be on your homepage for you to just click on and you just click the little button and you can get to listen to us talk. And, uh, <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't 1997. They know how to download a podcast. <laughs> hey, man, I, I've heard reports that SoundCloud isn't as easy to, to navigate as we we had assumed. So I'm giving you the uh, the lowdown. Um, <laughs> iTunes also, real easy. Go to the store, search podcast, type in Just Giants, and yeah, you'll see our two lovely mugs food. there. <laughs> you'll notice our new profile picture is us being driven to drink and that's what <laughs> this team has done this year uh follow me on twitter as always at the cranky fan a lot going on in my life right now i have a miserable professional football team i have my baseball team just trading away its franchise and probably will be disappearing from the tampa bay area i have a Gator football team that just signed a potential quarterback of the future on the December signing day. So lots to follow with me. So the, the cranky fan is a great follow. Uh, he's, he's really good at cutting into people's bullshit. So I'll, I'll randomly be scrolling through my uh, Twitter feed and I'll just see him <laughs> tearing into some like <laughs> executive or some shit. Uh, it's, it's a good, it's a good time. Don't bullshit me. Yeah. Just cut to the chase. <laughs> but on top of that, it's an exciting time for the Florida Gators. They're in much of the same situation as New York Giants. So uh, the hey, college the hey, college system have... is like a month ahead of the, the NFL system. So yeah, use it as hyping ground if you need to. Hence why I have one uh, wrist slit and the other one's about to get cut. So. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, man. Well, don't slit your wrists. Listen to our podcast. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.